0: Amen. You can be opening your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11 and uh, uh, chapter 10. Sorry, I've got 11 on my mind because it plays into today's sermon. But Genesis chapter 10, and uh, once you find that, put a marker there, put your finger there, and also turn to Acts 17. Now we're in a series in Genesis. If you are new in the room with us right here this morning, uh, or maybe the first time you watch watching online, we've been doing something every service that we are in Genesis and that is we are learning how to say the first verse of Genesis in Hebrew and uh, it'll appear there it is already uh, up there on the on the wall and uh, if you are trying to look at it I just want to point out I've never this first Sunday I've actually done this part but uh, it, you're reading the Hebrew from right to left the English from left to right but uh, if you look at the uh, phonetic pronunciation of those words uh, the first word, bereshit, and then bara uh, are the same basic root word, means to create. And so bereshit is in the beginning of creation, creation happened, okay, uh, by God. God created it. And so that's, that's kind of the understanding in the Hebrew way of thinking of things. So we're going to learn how to say that if you haven't learned before. So I'm going to do it one word at the time. First, better sheep, bara, Elohim, which is the name of God. Then et means the, and then it's Hashemayim, the heavens. Ha, uh, sorry, I said ha. Et, Hashemayim, and then vaet, and the earth, ha Vaet, Va ha now, let's try to say it all together. Berashi bara Elohim et shamayim va-et I'm nervous when I'm trying to do it in front of you. I say it a lot. And that's how that started. I said, I'm going to start in Genesis. Said, and I quoted that verse in Hebrew because that's the only verse I can quote in Hebrew. And, uh, and what is that? And I explained and said, let's do that every week. So, we just wanted to give that to you. This is the word of the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And today we come to chapter 10. And when you l- read chapter 10, if you're at home, you're reading it, you're looking at it, you go, eh, what's he going to say about it? Because it's a lot of names in there. And, the, and a lot of times when you read through the Bible, you come to this guy had this kid and this kid had that guy. And they, you just kind of go, okay, and you go on. Uh, And and indeed, it would take a long time to look at all of this and explain everything about it. So I'm going to come to to why we're looking at it uh, as we look at it. Uh, And and indeed, this is known as the table of nations. This This is a chapter that lets us know where people came from and where they went to. Now, if you like the graphics, we try to do graphics every week. Uh, and if you do, thank Debbie Because usually it's a one One week thing This week, you're going to see that same graphic next week Because that is a picture of the Tower of Babel Chapter 10 and chapter 11 Go together You've you got to have them both And if you are just thinking through it logically 11 should come before 10 Because chapter 10 Is where they went And who they were as they were going Chapter Uh, 11 is why they went and that event happened before chapter 10 happens but God explained where they went because at the end of chapter 11 he goes from all this that is happening and all these people that are going around the world down to one man one line headed straight to Abraham headed straight to Moses headed straight to David headed straight to Jesus so it goes from the world down to this. So there's some facts in here, too, that, that kind of help us. Uh, well, facts that show how accurate God is and, and what he's about. And that, that's going to come out as we go along. But I want you to read with me uh, by following along. You don't have to read out loud. Uh, but looking at Acts 17... And verse 26, I don't think I told you the verse yet. So Acts 17 and verse 26, I want to read that to you before we get going too far into it here. And here's what the Bible says. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places or placed. And now notice why in verse twenty seven, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. The Bible is letting us know in Acts sixteen that the purpose that God had a purpose to put certain people in certain places, but for the fact but he did it so that we would all fear God, we'd all call upon God. What we're going to see next week in chapter 11, which if you read the Bible, heard of it at all, you already know this. That at the Tower of Babel, men were in rebellion against God and doing something uh, that God didn't want them to do. And what we learn from that is whenever men get together as a whole, all men, without God, we go to evil. Why? Because we're fallen. And that's the way it works. We are fallen uh, creatures, we are fallen men, and our hearts are wicked and go to wickedness. And when you get together with a bunch of people who have wicked hearts, we start encouraging each other in creative ways how we can do wickedness. And so God separated us, and this is what I want you to take home with you today. God separated us into different nations. He divided us so that he could bring us together in unity in Christ. God divided us so it could unite us in Christ. It is only in Christ that we can be united in a healthy, good way. So let's pray and ask God to help us to see some of these things. Father, in Jesus' name, as we look in chapter 10 of your book of Genesis, of the beginnings, this back to basics, God, we just pray that we would see what your will is, what your purpose is, and that, Lord, we would fulfill and meet the purpose that you have for us. Lord, watch over us today. Open our eyes of understanding, and that we can behold wonderful things out of your Word, and then beholding who you are and what you have done, that we would honor you and serve you and follow you all the days of our life, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so... Uh, I, I've given you a lot of this introduction. Let's jump right into it. The first point, and I want you to see what I write out. A lot of times, my uh, I always feel sorry for the people clicking uh, the points, and many times I just don't put them all up there because my brain starts rolling and I kind of start shifting things around inside my head, uh, and, and so my points are just kind of reminders to me. But I want you to catch hold of this phrase: a man, a family, a clan, a nation. Because this is how men spread across the world. This is what God did in creating the nations. He took a man. And at this point in time, you've got Noah and his wife, three sons and their wives. You've got eight people that are now going to repopulate the earth. And they're going to spread out. And so each one of these men become a family. These families start becoming clans. These clans become nations that have spread around the world. There's one other thing that you may have been confused about in the Bible that this starts pointing out. We have always heard about the, uh, all the Ites, you know, the Hittites, not Ike and Tina, but the Ites, I with a T. You hear about the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Malachites and all this. And what you finally learn as you're reading this, it's a guy's name followed by I-T-E, okay? In general, when you see that, just drop the I-T-E and you can see, oh, the first guy there was named Jeb. And so now it's Jebusites or or Jebus. So I want you to understand that. But I want you to think about something that just right off the bat, the Bible here, it shows the accuracy of chapter 10. And that is how many people ought to be living on this planet currently at the average population growth yearly, which means people being born, people dying, what is that difference? And how many people should be living here since men first appeared? And we're going to look at evolution first. So evolution tells us that, two, that man has been around for 2 million years, but modern man as we know him today for 200,000 years. 200,000 years. All right. So we're going to do a simple formula. I'm not a mathematician, not good at math. But maybe you are, you can get out to calculate. The way we figure that is you start with what population is there, and we're going to assume, in this case, a low number, two, that somehow two monkeys had two humans, because we're talking about evolution, right? And so, boop, out popped humans out of these monkeys. Now we got two humans, and they're going to get together and have kids that are going to start populating the earth, and the average population growth, it is believed, is 1 to 2%. So, we got 200,000 years. So, here's the formula. Population times, uh, well, it's P times E to the RT power, which means population times rate of growth over time. Okay? So, everyone, rate and time. So, we've got two people, 200,000 years. You do the math. And instead of one to two percent a year, let's back it all the way down to one-tenth of one of percent a year. After 200,000 years, starting with two people at one-tenth of population uh, rate of growth, you have 88 digits long number. Seven billion is eight digits. You have a number with 88 digits. That is known a little bit more, and that is known as a Google. Google is not a search engine, they're saying, we'll, we can find everything. It's a, a number that if that many people were on earth, there would not be enough land area for all of us to stand up. Okay? It, there's no room on the earth for that many people. So evolution, mathematically, cannot possibly have happened the way they told us. Because there wouldn't be enough room for everybody. All right? Now... Let's take this story. you got eight people. So, man, you got four times the amount of people. All right? And they're going to have kids at a rate of a half a percent a year. We'll go up five times that other rate growth. How long does it take to get to the current number of 7 billion people? 4,118 years. You see, if you can trust the timelines that are in the Bible and... and they're not, we're not given exact date times or number times, but this guy lived this long and had this kid who lived this long and he was this old when he was born. And if you do all that, and we know that there are some that God didn't tell us about because it wasn't important, but if you do that, it seems like from creation to the flood is about 2,000 years and from the flood to today is about 4,000 years, 6,000 years. So from the flood to today Eight people at a half a percent population growth, we would have seven billion people on the earth. Score one for the Bible. All right. God is true, and every man is a liar. But I want you to see, know something else about this chapter. We're, we're going to run through it real quickly. Not going to go real deep with each person. But we see the veracity of the Word of God for this reason. I, people will walk up to you and say, the Bible's full of errors. So I always hand them a Bible and say, show me one. And nobody ever has. All right, Because you can't find one there. The the Bible is united in its its intent, purpose, thought. There's no contradictions. Everything works out. So far, the things we thought the Bible was messed up about, we found out later. Oh, after all, it wasn't. We were wrong. Uh, And that's always a safe assumption when you come to the Word of God, the Bible, uh, that we have. But the reason we can trust the Bible is it doesn't sugarcoat anything. It doesn't make everybody that is a hero look good. It shows us their ugly sides. It shows us their faults. Not only that, chapter 10 is not real neat. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you or I were writing this story of the history of the nations, if we're writing, let's let's not even say we're writing this story. We're making up a story about where people came from and where they would go we would have this group of people and all of them would look alike and they would all live in that spot and they would all speak a language that other people don't speak. We don't even find that in chapter 10. What we find is that a lot of those people went that way, but some of them went this way. And this guy, a lot of them went this way, but a bunch of them went that way. and And some of them down here speak a language that sounds like that guy should have come up with that language because it's kind of intermingled. Well, why is it that way? Because that's how it happened. And God didn't lie to us. If, you were, if a man were trying to convince you, boy, he'd make it so neat and clean, it couldn't even happen. I'm not saying there's errors here, because there's not. There's nothing there that's disprovable that you can say is not true. Uh, but we can trust what God is saying, saying because it's not so clean and neat. There is, a, there is a ring of reality here with what is going on, because... Let's say a group said, hey, we're, we're going to head up north, see what's up there. And there's always one guy in that family goes, I ain't moving. I like it right here. Right? So you get a little intermingling going on. We're going to come to some other stuff toward the end. But I want you to understand, I told you 10 and 11 seem out of place. Because God told Noah, he told Adam, and then he tells Noah, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Go on out there, get, get a bunch of kids and keep moving out. And what did they do? They congregate at Babel. We'll talk about that next week. But that's where they got together and they didn't want to move. And so, you already kind of know the story of Babel. God confused the languages so they had to move out. Chapter 10 is where they went, who went where, and how that worked out. So, we're going to look at who went where. So, this point of the sermon is called My Three Sons, again, because we did a whole sermon on My Three Sons. So, uh, this is the three sons of Noah. First of all, we have Japheth. Now, Japheth mainly went west and north from Mount Ararat. Don't forget, we're starting at Mount Ararat in Turkey. That's our assumption. And so they went west and north. They are Europe and Russia, basically, uh, are, are these people. So I am a son of Japheth, I guess, is where my heritage comes from. But some of them went down to the Middle East. One of the names listed here in chapter 10, this began in verse Two, uh, the sons of Japheth are Gomer, Magog. Magog is all through the Bible in, history, in prophecy, meaning Russia. Magog uh, weighs heavily in prophecy. And so it's kind of interesting, all the stuff going on today. Um, Madai, and Madai is the one, he goes down uh, into the Middle East. Don't, so one of his sons, a bunch of them went west and north, but one of them said, oh, I kind of like it down there. He goes into the Middle East, but the other two boys got a lot of people in the Middle East, too. I don't know if you've ever noticed that I, y'all are smarter than me, and I, I, I give you that. So when I say something, you go, well, duh. Just remember, I'm the duh, and y'all are smart. So don't, don't forget that. But, but I got to visit Israel, and what I never thought about till I was standing there is when you're standing in the Middle East, when you're standing in Israel, you're standing in Europe, you're standing in Asia, and you're standing in Africa. The three continents come together right at that spot. So, these guys are starting to, to go. I don't know if it's like homing pigeons or instinct, but little parts of each of them wanted to go down to the Middle East, and they are found there. So, that brings us to Ham, the youngest actual son of Noah, but listed further up in there. Ham goes mainly to the Middle East and into Africa. And some of his children... Uh, number one, there's Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. Cush uh, is Ethiopia. Put, uh, Egypt is Egypt. Thank you. Okay, good. I thought y'all were smarter than me. Uh, Egypt is Egypt. Put is, becomes Libya down uh, on the northern coast of Africa. And then Canaan is the Mediterranean, the Canaanite people. All the different tribes of the Canaanites are coming from Ham and they're crammed there in the Middle East. They're not the Arabs, they're the Canaanites. Because Shem, all of his relatives kind of hang out in the Middle East. And they are the Jews and the Arabs. The mainly, that's what is going on. Now, this is very broad. This, like I said, I'm, what I'm saying is super broad and, and super wide. But one of the interesting sons of Shem is a man named... Uh, Aram, which his kids, his nation becomes Assyria and they spoke Aramaic Aramaic because the dad was Aram Jesus spoke Aramaic that was one of the languages of the people in Jerusalem in the days of Christ, but look at verse 25 of chapter 10 and one other little interesting fact is found there It says, to Eber were born two sons. The names of one was Peleg, or Peleg, whatever you want to say. For in his days, the earth was divided, and then his brother's name is Joktan. What do you mean, the earth was divided? What does that mean? It can only mean one of two things. Either the languages of the people were divided. This is when the Tower of Babel happened, was under Peleg. Or the continents continued to shift. The longer I'm in this book uh, of Genesis, the more I see the fallacies of evolution all around me. Uh, Everything that's in the news and being taught and things they find and things they say. And I'm going, that doesn't make sense. It makes more sense than this. Yesterday, we got to take some of our grandkids to the Grand Cavern. And since I am dumber than all of you, you probably already know this. But the Grand Caverns over there in Grottoes is Weir's Cave. Because the guy that found him, his last name was Weir. Now, if you're from here, you probably already knew that. So that is Weir's cave, by the way. I always thought, Weir's cave, where did they get that name? And we're there yesterday and said, oh, this kid in 1803, you know, found this hole and his last name was Weir. I went, ha ha, like rain. So, guess what? We're going through there and they said, now in this room, there was like 80 foot of water. You can see the water line. And then it sank down to this. And then it was this. And then it went away and it never came back. And I was going, (laughs) I, re- I leaned down and said to my grandchildren, that happened during Noah and the flood, like, that, like I've been talking about at church. It just, because uh, it wasn't rocks then. It wasn't a cave then. It was dirt and the water <laughs> squeezed out and made those beautiful caverns. All that happened pretty quickly. We're not talking about the flood anymore, but I just want to point that out. Because Peleg, maybe they, that's when the, er- the continents finally shifted to where they were going in fact our tour guide yesterday said now you see this and that well that was that happened when the teutonic plates shifted <laughs> the flood <laughs> i know what that was it's so cool when you look at that to realize that was made in the flood i i don't know about you i like minerals i like i like am not the kind you eat the kind you look at uh, i like you know different rock formations and all that and and i love amber but amber's not a rock. Well, it is a rock, but it's it's pine tar that was fossilized. The only time pine tar got fi- and, you, and sometimes you can find a bug caught in that pine tar. So you get a mosquito caught in the pine tar. Then the flood happens. Now you've got a mosquito in a rock. I mean, the what? The rock? Mosquito sat there and let the rock just kind of overtake it? No, it was, it happened at the flood. And so sometimes you're holding those minerals, those were formed because of the flood. It is so exciting once you go, wow, this is so cool. All this is pointing to God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows His handiwork. The Bible says in Romans that the things that may be known about God, His eternal nature, His creativity, is all seen in nature. And when you go, you can apply Scripture to those things. So why would God spread us out? What is some of the point of this? The point is found in the last verse of chapter 10. These are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies and their nations. And from these nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Here's the point. God made men who had children, who became families, who became clans, who became nations. And God knows Every one of them. He knows every individual. He knows when they were born, when they died, where they went, what they did. The Bible, Jesus lets us know that the Father knows, and, and you've heard this in King James, that when a sparrow falls to the ground. Well, that was King James English. The literal translation today would be, and the Father knows when a sparrow lights on the ground. It wasn't when he falls to the ground, he's flying, fluttering, and he goes down to eat a seed. God knows when he goes down, picks that seed or grabs that worm and flies back off. God knows every. Y'all know there's many species of sparrows? Do y'all know that? It's crazy. And God knows every one of them. He knows who you are. He knows where you came from. He knows where you're going. He is already involved in your life. The purpose of this this chapter is to let us know that God, this didn't just happen willy-nilly. This didn't happen just crazily. That God has a plan. He's working that plan. He's taking it to an expected end. Well, where did we come from and how did we get there? We're going to see the division at Babylon next week, but that's really not the point of the story of Babel. But I want to give you a little bit because you might ought to ask at this point, well, if these nations went everywhere, how did we all start looking so different? If, if you got one dad and three boys, did all those three boys just look different? I tell you, I, I'm probably a descendant of Japheth. I, I'm assuming because, yes, I did the Ancestry.com genealogical search. And I had a great aunt that told me Scotsmen were just seasick Vikings. And my Heritage is Viking, Scottish, and Irish. I'm so white it ain't funny. Okay, I'm just—that's just who who I am. Well, how did that happen? And I'm gonna—I'm gonna shock you with how that happened. Evolution, but not the way you think of it, because there's two kinds of evolution. What happened was is what we call microevolution. That is, they moved up there and survival of the fittest set in. You get into a certain climate, a certain kind of people can survive there better according to how they look, the characteristics they have. So those people survived. They had more children until that population, that nation, had somewhat of a a homogeneous look about it. And so if it's in Africa, if it's in Asia, if it's up north, if it's down south, people begin to look a little bit differently. That's microevolution. And... Here's something you may not realize. As that is happening, what is happening in the DNA of that person, of, of, of humankind, it, it would happen in animals too, is the DNA is getting more and more specialized so people look a lot more alike. But here's something very interesting. Your DNA cannot be altered, but as generations go, it can be altered a little bit as you pass on certain stronger genetic characteristics. Once the characteristic is lost, it will not come back. It is forgotten by the DNA. In other words, Japheth was a brother to Ham, who was the father of Middle Eastern people and African people. But the chances of me, if I'm married to another Caucasian woman, which I am, not another one other than Janice. I meant Janice. She is 1% African, by the way, but we won't go there. you got ham in your system. But that's cool. But it's very unlikely we're going to spit out a kid that's black because that strand of the DNA is gone. It's lost, that genetic code. Guess, when they look at DNA, guess how long this... Human diversification has been happening according to reading DNA. 5,000 years. No more than 5,000 years. It's not 200,000 years, not 2 million years. It's only been happening 5,000 years. Don't tell the scientists that tell you that we've been around for 2 million because they're not going to believe you. But the science points to it. Let me tell you the difference and let you know about macroevolution. Macroevolution says one kind becomes another kind. In other words, we know that all dogs came from a set of dogs. And you can breed out new dogs. And if you go shopping for dogs, you'll see there's about 100 new specialized or cafe breeds out there where they mix all these dogs trying to get new and different breeds. That is not one kind becoming another kind, that is a species altering the species. Macroevolution, one kind becoming another kind, has never been observed, and they have never found one iota bit of evidence that it has ever happened. It is still a 100% guess theory, because so far they believe it, but they haven't found any evidence for it. They don't like to follow the science, they like to try to prove their point of view which they can't do so here's how they have taught it to us so that we have swallowed this lie 100% because they do it to our kids in school usually the teacher would get up and say you know all these dogs came from a dog therefore a wolf became a whale and a gorilla became a human now doesn't that make sense no one thing can't have a thing to do with the other That's bad science. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked. There's no evidence it's ever worked. So what about the fossils? What about them? There's no evidence in the fossils that one kind became another kind. That is an improvable assumption. Again, we come back to why God gave us chapter 10. He gave us chapter 10 to show not only does he know who we are, where we went, but he's been involved in making us look the way we look. Now I want to take you back to Acts 17:26. From one man Adam, God has made every nation in the world. What does that mean? That means that you cannot be hateful toward people that are different from you because so are you. You are different from everybody else. Now, you live in a place where maybe the majority of the people look like you, but you live in a world where you're a vast minority. If you look like we look. I mean, right now there's a couple billion Chinese that don't care (laughs) whether you live or die. So you can't hate people that are different because you're different too. You know, everybody's special, right? Just like everybody else. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. Then our job is to take the gospel to all the nations. Because out of all the nations of the world, it all comes back to Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, their wives, their kids. And all of that came from Adam through Seth. So we need to commit ourselves to taking the gospel to the nations. Psalm 2 says, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father until the worlds are made His footstool. The job of the church, and the only job of the church, is to evangelize the lost, tell them about Christ, give them the gospel so they can come into fellowship with the Father, and then teach them to look like Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what we're about. And so, I can't hate anybody who looks different than me, acts differently, talks differently than me, because somewhere down the line, we're related And we had a a same-alike dad. But boy, did our DNA go off different directions. But that's okay. We're still the same humankind. You you ever thought about that word, mankind? Notice what somebody did back there. There's only one kind of man, and it's us, humankind, men and women. That's who we are. And so... We have to tell them all about Christ. And so this week, not only do those two things, but I would also say, exercise God's purpose for bringing you into the world. You see, if God knows about all these nations, He knows about all these people, He knows exactly where we are, He also knows where you are. Psalm 139 says that God was actively forming you in your mother's womb. So if you have what we would call a birth defect, if you have a genetic condition like I do, diabetes... God engineered that. And you know what I learned today? God is good. And all the time. God is good. He's incapable of doing bad. God is good and what he does is good. You see, the problem we have is we look at things as being bad. God looks at everything he's allowed into our life as good because it is fulfilling his purpose in our life. And so we we take a, a chapter like Genesis 10, and we read a bunch of names and go, "Uh uh-huh, that was nice. I don't know what that's going to do for me. Here's what it does for you. God knows your name. He knows who you are. He has watched you from conception. He already knows the day of your death because it's written in his book before you had one day of life. God knows all there is to know about you. He knows how many numbers, how, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows exactly how tall you are. I used to be taller than I am, then I got shorter, but then I grew back because I started exercising again. So God knows all those variations of what's going on in my body because God is intimately acquainted with all my ways. I, I mean, I take that down to the cellular level and below. God knows what cells are dying and which ones are regenerating. He knows all that stuff. And if a God knows that much about us and he loves us, don't you think he can handle what we need him to handle? So consider, why did he make you? Why did he make you the way he did? Because he has a specific purpose in your life for you to serve him, love him, honor him, and bring him glory. You say, man, how'd you get that out of chapter 10? I don't know, but... That's what it makes me think of. That God is so involved in the history of the world, it is not the macro history. He's, he, this is because he knows every little detail. And he knows you. And so I would encourage you today to find out God's purpose in your life. Let's pray. Lord God, in Jesus' name, we step into your presence by the blood, by the power of Christ, not by our own, for we have none of ourselves. And we thank you that you love us, that you know us, that you placed us right where we are, when you did, why you did, because you've got a reason. You've got a purpose. You've got a goal in mind. And we may or may not even know what that is, but, Lord, we are called to be faithful, to follow you, to know you, to, to uh, just as Janice said in her testimony, to, to put ourselves in a, a physically humble position just to say, I trust you. I love you. I thank you. I am totally submitted to your will. So Lord, help us this day to know that you've got it under control. But Lord, help us also to know that we have physical relatives around this world that don't know your name. And as much as we want all of our children to know you, as much as we would want all of our brothers and sisters to know you, as much as if this were the case, our parents to know you and they don't, so, God, there are billions of people around this world that don't even know your name. They've forgotten, God. You told us about it in Romans 1 and 2. We, we get that, that somewhere, somehow, they, they rejected the knowledge of God. And their descendants don't know you, but God, you want them to know you. You called the church to go there and to bring all the nations into subjection to your will. So may we not fail to do that. And Lord, we love to look at that and say, yes, we need to go to the nations, but we're in one of those nations. And so you've placed us here to reach those around us, not only to go, and you might call some of us out to go, and that would be so amazing. We'd be so grateful for that opportunity. Lord, we have to be faithful here as well, for this is where you placed us. This is who you made us to be, that we can honor you and serve you this day lord may we look like jesus where we are and we pray it in his name amen